What's going on? This is Luis Angel right here with AE Mind. And listen, I have a very special guest with us here today. Um, he is actually one of my original mindset coach mentors. Uh, I, I took actually a hypnosis seminar. Five years ago, I went to his event where he taught me how to really tap into my own mind's full potential. And since then, I've been on a huge roller coaster of a ride, you know, and most of it has been upward um, because of what he has taught me. You know, I've been to several other seminars, but, you know, his knowledge base alone is tremendous in, in the fact that he can help you tap into your own full mind's potential. He is a founder of Radical Self-Discipline. I hope I got you that got correct. It. You got um, it. And he's a, just overall a smart guy and a good guy to learn from. So you guys are going to get a lot of good value out of this podcast and video interview that we're going to be having today. So thank you so much, Nick, for Nicholas Ray is his full name, Nick, um, for jumping on the call today. You are welcome, and um, thank you for that introduction. Yeah, and, and check this out, guys. This is, just to be completely transparent, this is the second time we try to do this. The first time, it was a perfect interview. We went on for like an hour or something like that. It was. <laughs> yeah, um, and even then, you know, we had to say, we'll postpone this to another one, but as I was editing it, I saw that the audio wasn't that, you know, working that, you know, as great as I would have liked. For it to have worked, so this is part two of that, or uh, essentially we're a redo of it. We're um, going to talk about totally different stuff anyway, <laughs> so who cares? I mean, you and I could talk for 40 hours and it'd still be fascinated. <laughs> yeah, and we've talked for a long time about different topics, so, so yeah, that's... Uh, so this will be fun. It will be fun for all of us. Cool. Um, so what's so on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Listen, <laughs> first and foremost, man, you know, you're out here in Orange County. How is it out here, man? Uh, I, I just moved out. I was living in this, like around the same area as you were for three years. I moved back out uh, to a different place. So how is it out there uh, right now, man? Uh, it's beautiful right now. It's actually starting to feel like it's turning a little bit towards winter, which it's December 9th. So it's about freaking time. <laughs> But um, I've been in I've been in Southern California for ten years now nine nine or ten years I can't remember, um, and I like it I like it a lot although I will say I watched a movie recently that made me really aware that I miss the Northwest like I miss I grew up in Washington State up where there's green rolling hills everywhere and it rains like nine months out of the year. But man, when I, I saw this movie that like represented that kind of climate so beautifully and it just made me go, oh, there is such a thing as like home right. inside you. You know what I mean? Like you have your your inner child or your animal has a place that it thinks of as home. And like I think I, I sort of wanted to pretend that wasn't there for a long time. I don't know why, but I love California, too. There's that special place, man. That's home. That's where you yeah. grew up. That's where yeah. you know yeah. home base is. And kind yeah. of like me, uh, you know, when I moved back over here to where I grew up, um, yeah, I felt like this is kind of where I belong, really. Um, like living in Orange County was fun and all, and I, I think I will go back there eventually. But for right now, I'm like I'm cool being here, being around the family, being back home. Yeah, but you're jet setting, like you're traveling so much. Yeah, it just makes it makes sense for you. Yeah. Um, Cool. So, but you know, you've been here for several years. I remember when I was first moving out there to Orange County, um, we were actually, uh, you and I, we were talking about some business things and we're just going to catch up and talk personal development and, you know, hypnosis and, you know, all about the mindset. I'm like, yeah, let's meet up at the Starbucks at this location. And I remember like, as I was driving out there, I was looking at them. I was like, I've been here before. I was like, wait, this is actually where I was 
gonna look to mo move into like around this area and then you're like no way i live like across the way here I was like what we're gonna be <laughs> we neighbors, <were> neighbors. Dude. <laughs> yeah it was awesome it was, it's crazy how i don't think we hung out enough but you were you were uh, gone a lot and so was i yeah. so we're both you know been, been very busy so let's talk about you know what exactly do you do like how was it that we actually met you know you you started um getting into this field of personal development of mind empowerment at you know at a young age um so what is it that you actually do uh, for a living and to help out other people? Well, I think of myself as a lot of different things. I mean, I think of myself as an entrepreneur and a marketer. Um, but primarily, I my, my one true love is hypnosis. Like, I love, I love tinkering with people's unconscious minds. Uh, I, I, think that, I think that the human mind is the most extraordinary thing in the universe, other than the universe. Like, like it's the human mind and the universe. And I put them like side by side. And, <laughs> um, and I, I love studying both of them about as much. But man, there's just the more that I learn about what humans are capable of. And the more that I learn about how we are uh, programmed to live in a world of limitations. And how like crazy that sounds to say. Like I know, I hear the voice in my own head that goes anything is possible oh yeah whatever but there is a a set of beliefs that when you start to get them in your head i mean when you just get that your beliefs are at a very real level creating your life that one right there shifts everything and that to me is the beginning or part of the beginning. It's one of the first steps is to start to get that your beliefs are not a reflection of reality. You have beliefs that are your best assessment of how reality works right now, but they are creating what you experience when you go out into the world. So I help people change beliefs. Um, I help people tap into what the unconscious mind can really do and figure out how easy it is to make changes. I'll tell people right now like that your stuff works. I, you know, I'm telling you right now, I'll give it a, a specific example in a moment. But, you know, true to what you just said about limiting beliefs and at the world right now, it, you know, it does run on a lot of that. Uh, that fuels a lot of people saying, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. I was recently just on Snapchat today, actually. Um, and they'll post articles from, you know, just different things on there. Um, and I was reading through an article on there saying how we've tapped our innovation abilities as a human race. Like that's it, you know, the past 20, 30 years, we've been innovating and creating new things, but they're saying that we can't like really innovate at that rate anymore. I was, I, I was reading it, I was like, I don't think, I mean, uh, maybe the facts, maybe the data is pointing towards that, fact that it, you know as of right now we were not creating as much as we were before but i think that we could if we really as a society tap into our full mind's potential like what you're talking about you know right now um we could continue to innovate and create new things and create warp drive engines to take us from here to mars in like minutes instead of years right we can innovate and create new things and we really as a collective society put our minds together and say you know what we can achieve these we can change our belief systems um but i think that if somebody else is reading that and they haven't gone through this you know the same events yeah. that we've gone and re read the same books they might just say okay that's it or we're done as a human race we're done we can't you know continue to grow well, I think it depends on 
I, I think it depends on what what level you're looking at creating things. Like if you look at the last hundred years and you look at how the world was different a hundred years ago, um, the, most of the change is like external physical stuff, like you know, cities, skyscrapers, roadways, railroads, uh, wiring, satellites, physical stuff. But in the last 15, 20 years, there has been a massive shift towards that being intangible things. Think of how many people have spent their entire lives at this point, or at least their entire working career, building things that if computers went away wouldn't exist. How many people, how many industries have been created that are based on that? So I think that that, that assessment that we've like tapped out on innovation is stupid. I think, I think that uh, I think that where we're innovating is going to change. My belief, by the way, is that the next, the biggest uh, area that is ripe for innovation, for development of technology, is in here. And I'm not talking about human augmentation with, like, computers and stuff. Right. I'm not saying that's right or wrong or good or bad. It's inevitable as far as I'm concerned. What I'm saying is that look at the upsurge in meditation right now. How many people are studying meditation? How much research is being done? People are starting to go, oh, wow, this is like real. Like this is legit. It has benefits. You don't have to believe any magical, mystical, woo-woo bullshit in order to get benefit from meditating. And that one, the only reason that one is as widespread as it is right now is because it's very simple and it's pretty easy to test. So all the skeptically minded scientific people are able to look at it and go, oh, OK, well, I'll buy that now that there's twenty five hundred studies that show that it actually grows your brain and all this kind of stuff. There are so many other tools, technologies, techniques, practices that have validity. Some of them have been developed in the last hundred years. Some of them have been practiced for thousands of years. But they are all just as powerful as straight-up mindfulness meditation. Some of them much more powerful. They're just harder to test. And they don't require any belief in magical, mystical, woo-woo fairy stuff any more than meditation does. They work, but not for the reasons that most people think that they do. The, the example that I love to give is that back in the day, you remember me telling this story at your, uh, your hypnosis, your very first hypnosis training. We talked about uh, Franz Anton Mesmer. Mesmer, for, the, for anybody who's ever heard the phrase to be mesmerized by something, or that's mesmerizing, that was a dude. There was a dude <laughs> named Franz Anton Mesmer. And he was a guy who was doing hypnosis before it was called hypnosis. But interestingly, mesmerism was developing around the same time as hypnosis, like two separate tracks of practice and development and theories about what was happening. And the crazy thing is mesmerism got really good results. Hypnosis got better results. And that's why you don't see people studying mesmerism very much today, because sort of like alchemy and, and chemistry, chemistry beat out alchemy. Chemistry is what alchemy became. Hypnosis is what mesmerism has become. 
But I still think there's a ton of pseudoscientific bullshit in hypnosis that isn't actually how it works. And when you let go of that stuff, you start to find the things that really do work. And man, it's so much fun. It's so much fun to start going in and tinkering with your own mind, to know that you can change things. Yeah, like in an instant or, you know, like I remember when I was at your event, like the first one, um, as you as you remember as well, you know, it was me and my friend Daniel. We're sitting there super eager to learn this information. We're, we were mesmerized by what you were doing up there um, teaching us. Well, I use what I teach, so. <laughs> um, and and it, 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 you can recall this. We were sitting there like late. After every one of the days, every one of the nights, after every you had taught everybody, you know, what we were going through, all the exercises, Daniel and I would stay there like, Nick, we want to learn more. Nick, you know, teach us this. Teach us, you know, instant induction. Teach us all these other ideas and principles. You're like, I'm sorry, man. You know, we, we can't go into that right now. You got to come into our advanced training. That's for, like, people that have been through this you know, for years and years and years. I'm like, we don't care. We want to learn it now. Uh, and, and it was awesome to, like... At the end of it, I think you finally gave in because we, we just kept bugging you and bugging you. We we're like toddlers, like, Mommy, I want this. Daddy, I want this. You guys were sponges. Like, when I see that, how can I how can I help myself? Like, I stayed there for like an like a couple of hours one of the nights, and we did like handshake inductions and like dropping you guys down. But here's the thing. This is what I – I'm going to compliment you here for a second. If there's one thing that I could identify as – one of the most important factors in success in life in general is they call it speed of implementation, but it's basically how quickly do you take something new that you've learned and take action on it? Like do so many people know stuff that they should be doing, that they could be doing, that they even want to be doing and they're not doing it. Like people, meditation is a perfect example. Um, Learning to play an instrument learning to play, uh, learning a, a new language, uh, exercise, learning to public speak or, or write or something that you want to do that you feel an urge to do. And maybe you even bought a book on how to do it and you read it and then you never did anything with it. You, more than almost anyone I can think of, and I'm not making that up, more than almost anyone I can think of, you take stuff and you do stuff with it. Life happens in the doing. You get what you want in life because of actions you take, not because of who you are. And you don't get stuff just because you deserve it. You get stuff because you went out there and you took action on it. And you have built an, a world inside your head that most people wouldn't understand or believe even if you explained it to them. Yeah, a lot of people think I'm still even, you know, coming back home uh, to where I grew up, people are like, dude, I don't know what you're doing. This is not the you of when we saw you, you know, growing up here. Um, and it was, you know, I, I appreciate it. I thank you for the compliment. And it really, it all boiled down to just following the advice and, you know, the knowledge that I gained from individuals like yourselves. Like, like well, when I was training for the Superhuman show, um, like, yes, I knew how to perform. I knew how to memorize things quickly. Like, that's what I had been doing for many years prior to this opportunity even arising. 
but it, it it's not really about that when you step on to this sort of stage because sure uh, you know this is different these are you have the lights you have the cameras you have people watching you hundreds and even millions at home watching you what you're doing the memory stuff is the least significant thing happening when you're doing that it's like a concert pianist showing up and going like you better know the notes that's a very different thing than being able to play with the orchestra and be entertaining at the same time. Exactly, yeah. Man. All that has to come into play. And I remember one of the key things that really stood out to me about what you told me when you were helping me out, like preparing for that, was um, I, I was trying to study like Darren Brown and uh, like all these other well-known um, like hypnotists and NLP practitioners from Tony Robbins and you know all those types of people like all their stage presence I'm like dude I want to do really well I want to impress the, the people the audience the judges whoever's there I want to impress them I don't just want to show up and, and do my memory demo um, you know can, can you kind of walk me through all that and, and you're like Lewis you already have all of that in your brain just kind of let it go and let it flow when you're up on that stage there's really nothing else for you to do at this point um you know i can walk you through some other exercise but at the end of the day you have it in there just kind of let your unconscious play have fun with it and play with it right and there's two reasons why that's so important one is that you know every every performer that you've ever seen you have that performer and the way they move and the way they talk and what they said in your unconscious. Just like in order to read a word, you have to know how to spell it because it's in here. If you've ever read a word before, you know how to spell it. It's in your head because otherwise you couldn't read it. You wouldn't recognize it when you look at it. You couldn't sight read it. You could sound it out. But if you can look at the stop sign and just see it, you don't have to go stop. You, go, you see it and you just go, that says stop then you know how to spell the word. In the same way, you've seen Darren Brown, you've seen Tony Robbins, you've seen me, you've seen people on stage acting and performing in the ways that you want to. So number one, getting you to the place where you're not thinking about it was like the most important thing. The second reason why it's so important is that if you go in trying to imitate other people, nobody's going to resonate with you. It's not going to hit at that level of authenticity that is, it's completely different when you say, trust that it's all inside because then what comes out is not Lewis doing Nicholas or Lewis doing Tony Robbins or Lewis doing Darren Brown. It's Lewis. Yeah, that, that I think is a huge part of why people loved you so much on that show. It's because you were, you were so you. And and you, the you that you are is pretty fucking compelling. <laughs> no, but again, I, it was a lot of modeling, a lot of that. But yeah, it was kind of just morphing that into who I really am, um, and just I don't know, just bringing it out. I don't know how I did it. I just it just came out, and that's kind of the point, right? It's like it is, it is. The point is that you aren't the one. If you were trying to do what you did on stage there, you probably would have screwed it up. I'll be like, trying to think about, okay, I, I got to step this way. I, I should put my hands this other way. And Exactly, exactly. The, the best way to do your best is get out of the way and let your body, let your unconscious do what it already knows how to do. It's like you practice a song, playing a song 10,000 times. When it's time to perform it in front of an audience of 1,000, you don't get to practice anymore. Like you are what you are at that point. And it's time to let go. It's time to show up and get out of the way and trust your fingers. 
trust your, and this is true about everything, even just in a conversation with a group of friends. If you're sitting in a group, have you ever gotten really self-conscious? Like think of those words. Have you ever really gotten conscious of yourself while you're trying to be witty or funny or interesting? Right now, probably as soon as you said that, I was like, um, how am I sounding right now? How am I looking? <laughs> so yes. Uh, Invariably, when that happens, you are not your best self. You're stumbling over yourself. You're trying to think of what words to say. Right now, I noticed myself say the word invariably, and I went, ooh, that was a fun word. <laughs> but that is like me being surprised by the things that are coming out of my mouth. Like, you're not talking to Nicholas right now. You're talking to Nicholas's unconscious mind. Nicholas's unconscious mind is way better at this than Nicholas is. Now is that Nicholas? The, Nicholas is just watching. Is that the same Nicholas that I see up on stage while you're presenting to hundreds and thousands of people, or training them through the different programs that you have? Is it the Nick subconscious Nick, or is it the more I'm trying to impress you guys by showing you what I can do? Well, there's two things. First of all, I think there's a Nicholas with a capital N, <laughs> and Nicholas with a capital N is is all of me. Nicholas with a capital N is like conscious Nicholas, unconscious Nicholas, and my body. That's, that's Nicholas with a capital N, right? And that's all of me. And that's the real, true me. But then there's the me who's, who's hearing you right now. Like the me that I think of as me, which is kind of like a person riding around inside your head like watching through a series of screens and like running controls inside of a giant robot. Like that you, that's the you, the Nicholas with a lowercase n. That guy is the guy that I do my best to get him to sit down and shut up when I'm trying to serve. When I'm trying to deliver value to people, he, he, he he's not the guy who does that. It's like a stand-up comedian who's doing a show and they're like they're super in it and they're they're cracking themselves up because they're saying stuff that they're like I didn't even know I was going to say that that's so funny who, who is who's the you that's talking there who's the you that's doing a good job invariably there I used it again the people who are who are in the zone the people who are in the flow the people who are performing at their best are usually so present and in the moment to what's actually happening that they're not thinking about what they're doing. Uh, there's a guy named Dan Millman who, uh, who wrote a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And um, in that book, he talks about how if you're an Olympic athlete who's been training for an event since you were three years old, and you're 17, 18 years old, and you're gonna, you're competing. There are millions and millions and millions of people watching you, and it's literally as if your entire life has been building up to this moment. You're walking up to the uneven bars, and you're like, okay, this I've done this a ten thousand times, twenty thousand times, but this one in your mind is completely different than every other time you've done it. Right. Because there's because the entire pressure of your whole life has been built up to this one moment. But all that pressure. Is just in your head. 
because subjectively, the experience is no different this time than it was the other 20,000 times that you've done it. And what Millman says is that if you, that the, 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 the art of mastering any kind of skill like that is getting to the point where it doesn't matter the, the, how much pressure is on it. The only thing that matters is that you do it, you treat this moment as if it's exactly the same as any other time. Like your practice times, like, you know, you've been training the thousands of times and, and some people can handle that. Some people can, can walk in with that mindset and actually go through that, the real performance as if it was one of the training routes. And there are other individuals that can't do it. They Sure. Well, I, I think it's a developable skill, but like people will crack, people will throw up before their performances and all that kind of thing. But think about this. You just gave an example that I think most people do, which is I, I, there's a million people watching. There's millions of people watching, but I want this experience to be exactly like every time I've ever practiced it. What if you flipped that? What if every time you practiced it, it was as significant as if millions and millions of people were watching? That would be major. What would that be like? That'd be a huge shift because once you actually get to the performance, you'd be like, I've done this a million times. Instead of I practiced with complete silence and nobody watching me and, you know, everything else that was perfectly a perfect environment. Uh, but now I'm stepping into this new Goliath behemoth of a of an event. And like this is I've never been here before. But if you like you said, if you flip it, I've been here a million times. You know, this is another day, <laughs> you know, another walk at the park. Um, and if you if you uh, if you really want to get into some crazy stuff. What would happen if you greeted every breath with that same degree of significance? What would happen if I treated this interview as that kind of significance? What would happen if every moment of every day held as much significance as is possible? What would you live then? I, damn, dude, that just, that was a huge mindset shift for me right now as you were saying it. That was like... We should be doing that. We, you know, right. We don't, but we should be doing that because you notice what happens when you do, when you are fully present in the moment, when you're yeah. talking to somebody and everything else kind of just blurs away and, yes. and fades away and you're just fully focusing on that one individual, their stories, you're connecting with that person. You're, you're laughing and you're, you know, whatever you're, you're telling jokes with each other and everything else just disappears. But then there are other times when we're talking to somebody and, you know, in the back of our mind, we're thinking about what we're going to eat later on today or the TV show and all these. Other, that's where the ADD kicks in or whatnot. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very powerful when we take every single moment as if this was the most important moment in our lives at that point. How many moments do we flush down the toilet of our past as like this moment is not significant? This is a boring moment. This is a stupid moment. I don't have to pay attention to this one. How many do we you never get those back? Like, I, I have a belief, I've modeled this from a lot of the most powerful and successful, some of the most, not just successful, but there's a very particular kind of person that I've found this belief to be present in. And it's people who are really prolific in their work, like people who are constantly producing stuff. That they're just like, there's this drive to like make new stuff. And I think of like, Joe Rogan is a good example of this. Um, there's a YouTube guy named Markiplier who I think is a good example of this. Uh, Kevin Smith is a good example of this. There's just people who are like hungry 
I believe that I can correlate that behavior to a lack of belief in the afterlife. And the reason I go down this road is because I look at it and I say, what if believing that when I die, there is something else causes me to take my foot off of the gas just a little bit? What if it causes me to not suck every last bit of life out of every single moment? I don't mind if I'm wrong when I get there, but to me, that's a risk I'm not willing to take. I'm not willing to take the risk that that I might believe, ah, whatever, it's not that big a deal. I don't have to pursue this thing. I don't have to try to make the world a better place. I don't have to work that hard because whatever, I'm, I'm, there's more. But when I, know, when I have a belief that this is it, you have this life, you have a finite amount of seconds left in your life. And when that's up, that's up. That makes me go, okay, I got to do, I have to live every moment like it's my last. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's really possible entirely. Like I think people can get 99% of the way there, but I wonder if it's possible 100%. Yeah, that's an, definitely. I mean, I I do believe that there is something afterwards. You know, I believe in higher power. Um, I don't know. I, for me personally, that that does fuel me to actually go out and and do like more because explain that because I think there's different paths up the same mountain. Like different people can find strategies for. So how do you find yourself? Because you are one of those people that I think is prolifically creating stuff and driving. What drives you? Um. It's several different things, but like for me, it is a form of like legacy in the sense that you know, once I go get up there, I want to you know look back uh, with my other family members and be like, look, you know what we created, look what we did, and now our kids can still benefit, our our you know the generations that are to come are, can still benefit, and we can look down from up above and say, look, you know this is this is amazing. Now they're uh, you know reaping from the from the fruits of of our labor, right? Um, and we, we laid down the foundation so that they can also continue that to benefit uh, overall society. So I don't know. It's so it doesn't seem like you spend a lot of time thinking about it. Like, in other words, you're like, yes, I believe that there's something there. And right now I'm right here. Definitely. Is that accurate? That's there. And I'm right here. And I want to build so much here now so that. Yep. Once I'm ready to really fully think about that phase, um, then I can look back at my life and say, look, you know, boom, I laid down the framework, the, the track, um, so that so many other people can benefit from, from the work that I've done, right? And I think this illustrates one of, my, one of the most important lessons that I think I got from studying NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming, for those of you who don't know what that is, is that there isn't one right way for anything there is only what works for you and when you if, if when you look at your life if you go i'm very happy with the level of drive that i have and passion and what i'm creating and i look at that and i go i know cuz i've tried it that if i held the same belief system about the world it would cause me to let my foot off the gas but it doesn't for you that perfectly illustrates my point that you cannot go around assuming that your way is right for everybody else. It has to be. It reminds me of this, of, you know, the body language experts. And I, you guys talk about this 
uh, a lot in the NLP courses. Um, so, like, if you have somebody uh, that has their arms like this, right? I hope I'm saying, correct me if I'm getting this wrong at any point because you're the master at it. I'm just so student. Uh, but if you have your arms crossed, body language experts will say that that's because you're trying to close off and you're shutting down. But what you're saying, it can mean a number of things. It can mean that you're cold. It can mean that this is just some normal pose that you do just to relax. Um, it can mean a number of different things. Like for one person, yes, it can mean that they're trying to close off and shut off. And for somebody else, it could just mean that they're cold, right? Yes. Is that kind of a similar idea to what you're... Yeah, absolutely. Another way that I, I would say it is um, we talked to, to bring it full circle to beliefs. We talked about beliefs at the beginning. So I have a belief <laughs> that beliefs have consequences and specific beliefs have specific consequences. In other words, you can look at the way that someone relates to money or the way that someone relates to their health and their fitness. And you can trace their behavior back to beliefs that are informing that behavior. But it is not fair to say that the same beliefs that work for you will produce the same specific results for me. Only that your beliefs your specific beliefs have specific consequences and my specific beliefs have specific consequences, but swapping them may not be ideal. You actually have to look at the, the human being. Like we are unique snowflakes. <laughs> you got to look Nick, at the person. That's Cordy. I just, <laughs> but it's true. It's true. We're all unique. We all have our own set of beliefs that can drive us one way or another. Um, so, like, that's one thing. You brought up a good point, like health and fitness and getting fit, uh, uh, whether it's wanting to go out and exercise every single day of the week or, listen, I haven't exercised in years and I just want to go out for a brisk walk once a week. You know, um, each person is different, right? So you've seen a lot of individuals, I know through your many years of one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, either through hypnosis or NLP um, in front of large audiences where you've coached people through their own personal situations, you know, and, and so they you can have help them achieve their goals and their own fitness, uh, you know, circle of life right um what are some things that you've seen some patterns that you've seen that people do in this round that take them to say not achieve the goals that they want to achieve um with health and fitness um and what are the things that you've seen that has you know given people the right vehicle to get them to to follow through with those goals well let me turn this around on you you are a mind expert i would say like, I think that's safe to say. You're definitely a memory expert, but I would go farther than that. And I would say that in order to be a memory expert, it's kind of like if you're going to if you're going to be a golf expert, you have to be in pretty good physical shape in order to do that one thing. Like you might be a golf expert, but you have to be overall in pretty good shape in order to be really, really good at that one thing. So I think you are a mind expert. How do you find that exercise relates to your mind and your capacity to do the things with your mind that you do well I, I, mm, it, it's great it's it's a huge contributing factor to whether i can perform well or not um in a memorization event it's a fact that or just overall if i want to learn something new a new skill or whatnot right if i have a 
at like I'm physically uh, at a peak state where I I exercise regularly. I take my dog out for her her uh, you know regular runs. Um, then I perform a lot better in mental and memory competitions and mental performances than if I take off a few weeks or a few months of not exercising, of eating crappy, eating French fries and burgers every single day and all this other stuff, right? So I, I, I have seen a direct correlation between doing the right activities and not doing the right activities and what that leads to in an actual mind competition, memory competition. So I, I guess one of the beliefs, to answer your question now that you said that, is one of the most significant mind-blowing paradigm shifts that I've ever had around the concept of exercise is your whole body is your brain. You don't have a brain and a body. Your whole body is your brain. And this is both somewhat scientifically accurate. Uh, it's not literally accurate, but you have as many neurons in your gut as you do in your brain. Your, there is 80% more serotonin produced in your gut than 80% of all the ser serotonin produced in your body is produced in your gut. The serotonin is a brain chemical. Like your capacity to feel open and loving and connected to other people has to do with your digestion. It's not a mind thing in the sense that it's not a head thing. So for me, I, I mean, I heard... Uh, I heard, mm, who's his name, uh, Virgin Airlines, Richard Branson. Richard Branson was asked, what is the single most important th behavior that you have that contributes to your business and financial success? And he said, hands down, no question, exercise. Because your, your, the strength of your brain, the strength of your character, the strength of your emotions is the, the strength, suppleness, flexibility, health of your body. So to me, this is like a, this is like a, a deal, no deal. This is a, like, you, you don't, this is non-negotiable. Um, if you look at someone uh, like Einstein, and you look at what, I, like, I don't know what his thoughts were on physical exercise. <laughs> um, I don't know uh, whether he did exercise. I don't know the kind of physical condition he was in. But I, I feel fairly confident in saying that if he was in better physical condition, he would have been smarter. I he would have been true. able to... Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, even now, I just talked to Dr. David Perlmutter on one of my recent interviews, and he was saying how there is a direct correlation between exercise, like actual physical activity, going out for, for runs and or even brisk walks, and the size of your hippocampus inside of your brain. They said that they've done experiments to show that the more physical cardio activity that you do, um, the larger that, that hippocampus gets, uh, meaning, and that's a huge source for long-term memory retention. So you exercise more, there is a direct correlation between long-term exactly. memory increases. So um, I'm, Albert Einstein could have had a bigger brain. When they actually dissected Albert Einstein's brain, or when they pulled it out and they, they yeah. looked at it, it wasn't necessarily bigger than anyone else's mm. brain. It was, you know, it was actually a little smaller, um, but it was just that he had more white matter in there. But uh, yep. what if he would have exercised? Maybe, maybe the actual hippocampus would have been, you know, right. enlarged. And it's it's more than that too because it's it's very you know the story about the frog being boiled. Like a lot of people have heard this story, but it's it basically if you take a frog and you drop it into a pot of boiling water, 
it will jump out because, ouch, it's really hot. I mean, this is an awful thing. Don't do this. But, <laughs> but theoretically, uh, if you drop a frog into a pot of lukewarm water and you slowly bring it to a boil, the frog will just stay in the pot until it dies because the change is gradual. The thing is, most people have no idea how much worse they feel right now. You can't notice your performance decreasing when the thing that notices your performance decreasing is the thing that's decreasing. Like you, your capacity to even know that you are disconnecting, that you're feeling less. I, I like to say it this way. If I could take most people and pull them out of their body right now and shove them in their own body when they were a, a, a kid, like five, six, seven years old, they would not even know how to process the feelings in their body. I mean, if you look at little kids, like have you seen little kids when they get really happy and they do like a happy dance? Like they can't even handle it. Like we're like my son will do it when we say we're having chicken for dinner and he'll be like, yes, yes. And like, when was the last time that most adults did that for any reason at all? When uh, their favorite team wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So w when kids do that, they do it because there is so much feeling in their body they have to express it they have to get it out e exercise is not about I'll, I'll throw this one out like if if any if anybody listening right now wants to build the habit of exercise here's a quick tip it is fine to exercise to look a certain way that's completely fine. As a matter of fact, you should probably let go of any judgment that you have about wanting to look a certain way. It's fine. That's a great thing to be able to, to want to have the experience of taking your shirt off at the, at the, uh, the pool and, and, and be proud of the way that you look and to like absorb the gazes of people trying not to look at you. Like, they're trying not to let you know that they're looking at you. That's awesome. That's fine. And you should try that on. You should experience it. And they have shown that long-term healthy relationships to exercising always place how you feel as a higher reason for exercising than the way that you look. So that to me was the major shift. When I started exercising because, of the, because I, I realized I'm doing this because I want to feel better. I'm doing this because I want my brain to function better. Yes, I want to look good. That's fine. But that is not the main reason that I'm doing it. That was one of the most significant shifts for me in implementing the habit and making it like permanent, like something that I really, really want to do. That was huge for you too. I know that you had your own struggles with that in the past where you know you wanted, you had your fitness goals, uh, your physical body goals, um, and you were, there was a little struggle with there, but there was- Oh my God, yeah, you, right? yeah. My, well, I mean, I'll, t I'll keep it brief. Um, my family, um, I, I was thinking the other day, like no one in my family that I can think of is really healthy. Like, nobody has really taken great care of themselves. Um, I have a ton of people in my family that would be considered obese or morbidly obese. M most of my immediate family and even a lot of my extended family. 
Um, none of them have a habit of exercise consistently. Nobody's ever stuck with it. Um, my mom died at a fairly young age due to health complications. She had type 2 diabetes, ate really terribly, didn't stick with any kind of exercise, and totally could have lived longer. And, and the quality of life is, is a thing, too. Because the other thing I say about exercise is it's about um, how old do you want to feel when you're old? Like how old you actually are is not relevant, but you've seen people who are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who look like they're in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, or they look like they're in their hundreds, even though they're only in their 70s or their 80s. Some of that's genetics, sure, but to me, genetics are the hand you got dealt. What you do with that hand is up to you, and the, more, the better you take care of yourself. So for me... Um, I struggled so much with exercise, and even in the brief periods of time when I was able to maintain the habit, um, I would always find that life got in the way. I would always find that when there was just enough pressure um, from other things, I would fall off the wagon, or I would quit, or I would um, back off, and then I'd take breaks, and then those breaks would get longer and longer and longer. And uh, this all culminated in... <laughs> me lying in the back of an ambulance, staring at the ceiling with the sirens blaring, taking me to the hospital because my low back had seized up to such an extent that I thought I was paralyzed. I thought I wasn't going to be able to walk anymore. It was the most physically painful thing I've ever had happen. And that was the wake-up call for me. Um, that was rock bottom when I went, I should probably start taking better care of myself. <laughs> and the thing about exercise is that no matter what the, uh, the infomercials try to sell you, exercise is not something that you can do and then be done with it. Like you don't do a 90-day program because you get done with the 90 days and you go, yay, I'm finished. The it becomes point, a part of you, right? You have to, it has to. It has to become a habit that doesn't even require structure. Like a lot of people build the habit by, by going, okay, I'm going to go for a 20-minute walk every day. Good. That's awesome. That's amazing. Build the habit by doing something consistent. But, and from my perspective, you're not really there until you could take a break. And you would feel an itch inside that would make you go, ah, oh, I didn't exercise today. Ugh. That's a habit. Something is a habit when not doing it takes more effort than doing it. True, man. That's so, that is so true. Like uh, just recently, I went back. I was traveling, going. I went to Europe. Uh, I was in Sweden and Germany and I, I was everywhere. So I couldn't really go to a gym and right. work out uh, like I normally do with my normal routine. Um, and I was just itching. As soon as I got back, uh, you know, I just went to the gym. I've been going now for a few days straight um, and because I built that habit. Like my, my entire body is sore right now. But I like that. I, I love that feeling because like, yes, this is where I belong. Right. Exactly. Um, so that's so true. Now, I know that you have a webinar coming up, right? And I think it's I next week. Um, um yeah, I've got I've got one coming up on exercise. Um, I figured this was an appropriate time of year. 
You know, since New Year's New Year's resolutions is coming, this is the number one thing that people put at the top of their New Year's resolutions is get fit, get healthy, start exercising. This is the year that gyms make like it's a ridiculous percentage of their money is like in leading up to January and in January and uh, something like 80 or 90 percent of all New Year's resolutions fail to make it to February. People start going to the gym and they buy a year membership or whatever and they don't go back. And that's how gyms make their money. So for me, I realized that like so much of the information out there around exercise is about like so much is about what kind of exercises to do. But there's almost nothing out there that is focused on building the habit of exercise. To me, when you're first starting exercise, it really doesn't matter what exercise you're doing. You could be doing anything. You can jump rope. You can do yoga. You can run. You can walk. You can swim. You can lift weights. You can dance. You can, uh, you can do breathing exercises. It doesn't matter when you're first building the habit. The only thing that matters is getting the habit, building the space in your head for being physically active. And then once you've got that there, you can easily substitute new things. Then you can start adding in, well, I want to try this form of exercise two days a week, and then the rest of the days I'll be doing this. But the, the, the rule of thumb is every human being should be active for at least 20 to 30 minutes a day if you really want to maximize your health. And, and that active can mean anything more than sitting on the couch, as far as I'm concerned. Do um, something. Just get up, go out, do something, right? Yeah. To get yeah. your body moving. So what I would say is if you're listening to this and you feel inspired and you're confident that you're going to stick with it, you're going to do 20 to 30 minutes because of what Lewis and I have said here, good for you, go do it. If you feel like you would like some additional tools and techniques and processes to help you, I have a webinar coming up this coming Thursday on the 15th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time called How to Brainwash Yourself to Love Exercise. And that, to me, is the key. It, it's not about exercise. It's not how to brainwash yourself to exercise because that's, that's pretty easy. Hire a personal trainer. <laughs> like get, so, get somebody to shame you and whip you and beat you until you do it. But there's a whole different thing when you get to the point where you actually love it. And I, I, I am a walking testimonial of how possible it is. Like, I, I spent three hours yesterday stretching, doing yoga and foam rolling. I've been seeing now, those Facebook live videos that you post. You're, like, rolling uh, on that roller. I don't know exactly what it's called, like a foam roller or something. Yeah, like foam that. roller. You're rolling yeah. in your video, chatting with everybody. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. So he, I mean, he's living by this, people. He's not just saying this. He actually does this. I mean, one of the things that really shifted for me was when I, I used to drive from Southern California all the way up to, to the Northwest, to Washington State. And I used to pride myself on my ability to get in the car and sit the entire drive except having to get out and get, uh, and get gas. And I was like, like, it was like this mind over matter thing where I was like, my back is sore. And I'm like, shut up, back. Like, I don't care. Like... It was like I, I was like strong because I could ignore it. But 
shifting to the love of exercise has turned into a love for my body. And I would never drive for more than an hour or so now. Like, I dread getting in the car and driving for long periods of time because I can feel that I'm tightening up. Like, I'm standing at a standing desk right now. I had this standing desk for two and a half years before I used it. <laughs> because Yeah, I had this standing desk for so long, and I would sit at a desk right over there, even though this was here because I was like, ah. And when this shift happened where I learned to love exercise, it shifted into the habit of using the standing desk is not a habit. It's just a thing I crave to do. Like, think about uh, you. how long does it take for the average person to build a habit of eating cookies? Hmm. It's day, probably. <laughs> if exercise could be as pleasurable as eating cookies, would you ever need willpower to get yourself to do it again? That's what brainwashing is about. Because everybody needs a clean brain. <laughs> so there's not the so, negative connotation to it like, no oh, exactly it's, yeah it's a positive thing positive uh you know he's using it in a positive way to help you really just get up and do the thing that you should be doing and you know you should be doing it right but for whatever knows. reason you and, have these and by the way parts. it says brainwash yourself yeah <laughs> that's a key that's a key distinction i'm not brainwashing you how to brainwash yourself to love exercise. That's that's the key. So anyway, it is next Thursday on the 15th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can go to RadicalSelfDiscipline.com slash love exercise to register. It's totally free um, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, I've done this webinar before uh, back in April and I've modified it and updated it and put new stuff in it. It's even better than it was back then. Sweet. So I'll post a link down below or somewhere here in the video on the cards or, you know, if you're listening, I'll post the links anywhere. You'll find the link somewhere. Um, and if you're listening to after the date of uh, December 15th, then uh, I, Nick always has webinars and just amazing content that he puts out. So I'll post all his links to uh, where you can find him, his YouTube channel and his websites and all that down below. So make sure to check out everything that he has out there because he will help you out. And not only in physical, uh, you know, your, your exercise area of your life, your health and fitness area of your life, but every single area of your life so he's great at helping you out with that just like he has helped me out and so many other countless of individuals out there around the world um so i know we're gonna wrap up right now we can keep talking man just like we said in the beginning of this totally. for hours and hours um i know you know you're a busy individual <laughs> so uh, how about we just do this just kind of uh have some fun with it i'll just shout out a few questions and see if you know the first thing that pops into your mind um if you love it if you're cool with that um so, you know, like, what's your, you love reading, I know that. What are some of the, like, your favorite books that you love to read? Ooh, like. Or that uh, you have read, yeah. Like, favorite books of all time, like, any category? Any category, fiction, nonfiction, whatever, any book of all time. Okay, um, off the top of my head, I'm going to say, on the topic of hypnosis, is a book called My Voice Will Go With You by Sidney Rosen. Really an excellent book. Uh, one of the most personally transformational books for me, like from a philosophical perspective, is a book called Radical Honesty. Uh, phenomenal book there. Uh, and then, you know what? I have this one sitting here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one out. This is a quote-unquote children's book, but it is... I, I, don't, I don't think I have ever, maybe ever cried as hard 
Are you serious? As having read this book. It's called um it's called Hope for the Flowers. A tale partly about life, partly about revolution, and lots about hope for adults and others, including caterpillars who can read. Um this this book, you will love it. So you go read this one. It's a really fun, easy read. It's like 100, 120 pages long. I read it to my son, and on in almost like every other chapter, I'm like having to like keep breathing to like keep my emotions so I can read the book. It's phenomenal. It's it tells such a universal and timeless story. It's it it'll change your life. Sweet. So there we go. Three books right there. Um, I'll post a link. I'll post uh, the titles and all that down below as well for you guys. And uh, so, what's uh, your favorite movie or movies that you've watched oh. in the past? Um, yeah. Oh my God! You're asking these. These should be easy questions, shouldn't they? <laughs> um, okay. Um, I love The Matrix. Um, I love all three of The Matrix movies. I really enjoyed uh, Doctor Strange. Just came out recently. Um, uh, let's see. We should do an um, interview next time if you're down, where we just like dissect these movies, man. Oh, <laughs> we, dude, we I would love. I, I have wanted to take a bunch of. I've got a list of movies that I want to do like my own DVD commentary on, where you just run the movie and just talk about it while you're watching it. Um, you know what? Another really good one that I actually was thinking about this. Um, I watched this recently, The Truman Show. Oh, Do you remember yeah. that one about uh, uh, with Jim Carrey mm -hmm. where he's like the character in a TV show? I love that movie. Man, that one gets better the longer. Like now you watch that movie and it is so much more poignant because of where media and social media and all this stuff has gone. Man, it is. it. That movie is deep. I need to rewatch it. Yeah, It's it, deeper it, than it most people think. Ago. It's really good. Sweet. All right. There we go. There's the movies. And um, what is <laughs> on the topic of physical exercise and having a healthy lifestyle? What's your favorite food to eat? What's your favorite cheap, cheap meal or cheap food to eat? Ooh. Uh, I mean, I do ice cream. I love ice cream. I love I love mixing the fat with the carbs. It helps to helps my body to process it a little better. Um, probably cheesecake, man. Uh, cheesecake, when I was five, no, six, when, when I was five, I told my mom, um, for, for my birthday, she said, what kind of cake do you want? And I said, I want a cake with lots and lots and lots of frosting and none of that crumbly stuff, meaning cake. <laughs> like I just wanted a cake made of frosting. The crumbly stuff is the actual cake. So when I was six, I, I discovered cheesecake. And then I would ask for cheesecake for my birthday because effectively cheesecake just felt like a cake made of frosting to me. <laughs> and, oh, man, cheesecake is so good. I'm thinking about uh, it. Yeah, that, that, is, that is the stuff right cool. there. And then to wrap it up right here, right now, we're going to drop this one out to the people watching and listening. What is your favorite or top quote that you would give that maybe it changed your life when you first heard it or like you – hear that one a lot or you read it a lot favorite quote that just pops out and just shifted your life and can help out other people out there your whole body is your brain that's probably one of the most significant quotes that i've ever come across uh i would also say uh one thing something that i say frequently is your life purpose is not a job it's a feeling uh, 
tiny bit of explanation on that. My belief is that your purpose in life is more like a compass. Like you can look at a thing that you're doing, like a job, and you can say, is that job in alignment with my purpose? Your purpose is not that job. Your purpose is not the career that you've chosen or the even the legacy that you're going to leave behind. Your purpose is a, is a compass that tells you, should I be going in this direction or not? And that concept is about following and living a life that is being led by a sense of purpose. And I don't know where that purpose comes from. I really don't. I'm very agnostic when it comes to that. But it definitely is my my most significant source to something bigger and greater and um, more important than me. So I, I, I'd say that one. Your life purpose is not a job. It's a feeling. I love it, man. I love it. Hopefully the viewers, I know they will. The viewers, the listeners, they love that too. And again, I thank you so much for jumping on this and, and sharing you know, your, your knowledge with the world. Um, again, I'll post all the links to where you can find Nick down below. Um, make sure to get on his webinar. It's very helpful, very insightful. Check out all his other content that he has out there. And hopefully we can do another session uh, like this. Yes. Thanks for having me on, Luis. I would love to do this again. Like I said before, the first time that we did this, I, I, I think we could do this again and again and again and still have awesome awesome stuff to say definitely man cool so let's do it again all right sweet see you all guys right, on the next one peace out keep learning keep growing we out